Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Title of the message today is Relational Vulnerability. Vulnerability, this is probably one of my favorite things to speak on. And this was actually my my first, not this one in particular, but the very first sermon that I ever preached at TRP. Uh, And this was back when we were in the letter carriers hall, setting up, tearing down every weekend, um, was about vulnerability and the importance of that in our lives. And so I'm going to start by being vulnerable with you guys. I can't teach you this if I'm not willing to show this to you. So um, we are, it is January 2nd. Sweet Jesus. This year has beat me up already. It is the second day in. It's ended rough. Uh, and it has begun rough. And some of it is just in the natural. It's, it's you know, every, a lot of people are sick right now. When you run a church, that puts a lot more stress on you. Um, you know, people all throughout worship, I'm getting text messages of this isn't working from the other campus. I'm like, try this, try this. Did you turn the AC on? Did you do this? And But we're a family, and we all look out for each other. But that doesn't stop the fact that in ministry and even in my personal life, like, it's been rough. Me and my wife, we've felt the weight of ministry and even of the lack of our own relationship with God right now, which when you're running a business like this, when you're doing these things nonstop, it's weird how you can very easily get caught up in, I don't know how much time I've actually spent in my own prayer closet. I don't know how much time, like, am I investing into my own kids? And all these things just start weighing on you on top of my girls were off of school for two weeks every single day, 7 a.m. What are we doing today? What are we doing today? What do we have planned today? Are we going anywhere? Is anybody coming over? Is there any packages? Amazon. That's all they wait for. Every day is Amazon packages. They think that we've just got this nonstop plethora of Amazon coming to our house every time they see the truck go by. I'm like, no, nobody's coming. I didn't order you anything. Grandma didn't order you anything. But the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, like, I want to look at it and be like, this is great, and I'm moving forward. And I looked at the year, and I'm like, man, is this going to be as rough as the last one? Because if it is, I don't know that I want to go into it. And that was my genuine feelings going into, into the new year. Um, and God gave me a word this morning, and I don't know how familiar everybody is with it. I heard it from, from our senior leader, from Caleb, and have, have adopted it, and much of the church has. You know, God doesn't give all things, but he wastes nothing. And he uses that a lot like because people, they do. And being a youth pastor, I get asked hard questions a lot, and I don't always have all the answers. Why does God do this? Why did, why, did my, why did my brother die? Why did my dad get cancer? Why does, why does God let bad things happen to good people? And I don't always have a great answer for that. But when I heard 
Caleb say for the first time, he's like, God doesn't give all things, but he wastes nothing. That in any instance, in any sickness, any tragedy, you can still look into it and see God somewhere. You can see the opportunity even just to pursue God, to pursue his love in that moment. And so I've lived a lot of my life, you know, since then. I'm like, all right, always, trying to always constantly remember that not everything that happened to me, happened to me, you know, God didn't necessarily do this, but never to waste an opportunity. This morning I got hit with kind of the reverse of that. And I hope this makes sense. I really heard, because like I said, I came into church, even my, my wife, she's texting me like, this is, this is hard. Like, how do I go through this? How do I worship for all these people when I'm feeling like this? I, she, she even told me, she said, I feel like I'm faking it. And I was like, there's nothing more real than you can do than to act like God, than to act like Jesus, to act like you're worshiping, even if you don't feel it, because the, the, the knee jerk is, well, I'm faking this. I'm being a fake. You can never be more closer to who you really are than when you're worshiping, whether you're faking it or not. To me, that's, that's perseverance. That's pushing through the crap that has happened to you to say, no, I know who I actually am, so I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to do this, even if it doesn't feel right. Because when you give in to the other feelings, that's really when you're acting like the person who you really aren't. When you're giving in to... Uh, the, the anger or the depression or to the anything, like that's not the image that you were created in. So to say that God doesn't give all things, but he wastes nothing, Holy Spirit hit me this morning and says, the devil does the same thing. I grew up in a very, for those of you, this might be a shock. I am Mexican. I am 100% Mexican, 100% Chicano. Like, my dad's from Mexico. My mom's from Houston. I know I don't look it. And I don't speak Spanish, unfortunately, either. My, I grew up in West Michigan, me and two other Mexicans in the entire school up until, like, ninth grade. I just told everybody I was white. Uh, I was like, no, my stepbrothers and sisters, they were white. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm white. Like, I'm, yeah, that's my brother. That's my sister. And whatever, and then they finally found out, I got in fights, and it was a whole thing, but I grew up in a very Mexican household as far as my mom, my grandma, my aunts and uncles, and anything that happened, you stub your toe, oh, that's the devil trying to get me today, like, that's not the de- I, I ran into the chair, I wasn't paying attention, no, that's, that's the devil, the milk was gone bad, Santa, oh my God, the devil's trying to get us, and now I have to pay more money for milk. I'm like, no, we should have drank it faster. Like, it was, everything was always the devil. Like, the devil's trying to get me. And when I thought about that this morning, I was like, man, how much credit am I giving right now to the devil, thinking that he's just trying to ruin my life right now, that everything is against me? And I was like, the de- devil doesn't give all things. Every bad thing that happens isn't from the devil. A lot of it, honestly, is self-inflicted. It's me feeling sorry for me. It's me, you know, not exercising. That, 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 that plays into mental health. Like, there's, there's so many natural things. It's me eating candy and drinking pot for the last two weeks because I'm on vacation, and I kind of feel like crap. 
Like, it, it's, it's me not taking time in the morning instead of going on Facebook to see what everybody else is doing instead of opening up my Bible and being like, what is God saying to me today? Even if it's just a couple minutes. Not everything's a devil, but that punk is an opportunist. He doesn't give all things, but he wastes nothing. He, he has the, the, the perversion to every pure version. The same way that God doesn't give all things, but he wastes nothing, the enemy is right there doing the same thing. He's not giving me, he's not causing, not necessarily. There is things that he's, I mean, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job. But not everything is him. But if he can take that opportunity to make you think that it is, he, he's got your mind wrapped up there. And so I've had, I had to take a stand because one of the other things that I love, and this is from Chris Volatin, says that the, uh, i say it right, the dogs of doom bark at the door of destiny. And when I heard that, I was like, man, that speaks to so much of my life. So many times when I'm like, why does everything just suck right now? Why, no matter how hard I try, the, all the good things I'm doing, anything, like, man, life is just hurting me right now. And then, but if I keep moving, if I keep persisting, sometimes just on the other side of it, I see this great thing that God had for me because when, why wouldn't the enemy to accomplish his mission, to steal, kill, and destroy, when does he want us to talk the loudest? When you're at the door, when you're at the precipice, when you're, you're, you're right there and saying, man, if I take one more step, I'm going to feel so much relief, so much comfort, so much joy this is his, his last stand for that moment. And the enemy is going to use every single thing he can, whether he caused it to happen or not. He will not waste an opportunity to let his dogs of doom bark as loud as they can and growl as loud as they can at you because he doesn't want you to take that next step. So I'm telling you, it's time. Be persistent. Keep moving forward. You gotta keep moving forward. I don't know that this is true or not. I, I love this movie. Has anybody seen The Founder in here? The Ray Kroc McDonald's movie? Okay. I love any movie that's about like a movement. Any movie uh, that is about like the beginning of something. There's other movies uh, like uh, Social Network. You know, it's about Facebook. Yes, there's so many crazy things in Facebook and it's probably doing more harm than good to us. But it just blows my mind sometimes to see like where the thought, where the idea, where the simplicity is something and then how grand it, it's become. And in, in The Founder, so Ray Kroc, and again, it's a movie and I know that they've made a lot of it for, you know, to, be, to look good on a screen. So how much of this is actual, like actually happened, I don't know, but it makes for a good story, and it kind of proves my point here. So, Ray Kroc stole McDonald's from the McDonald's brothers, um, and I mean, according to the movie, just did them dirty, and just, I mean, went in there and, and literally took their own name from them. And in the movie, one of the guys, the McDonald's brothers, asked him, he's like, why? Just have to ask, he's like, because in the, in the movie, he showed him everything. 
the, the first day that he showed up to the very first McDonald's, he was like, can I, can I have a tour? And so they showed him everything, their speedy system, how they can make burgers so fast, how they make everything just so amazing, that, which back then was incredible because you had car hops and all this stuff, and there was no fast food. And so it was revolutionary. And he was like, the brother asks him, he said, I showed you everything. You could have went and started your own. Why, why didn't you? And Ray Kroc tells him in the movie, he said, he said, you didn't even know me, and you showed me all the ins and outs of your business. I can't be the only one that you did that to. You're nice guys. You probably showed tons of people. He's like, yeah, we did. He's like, and they probably went and started their own businesses. He's like, yeah, they did. He's like, how many of them succeeded? None. He's like, do you know why? And the, the McDonald brother himself, he's like, I don't know why. And in the movie, Ray Kroc is like, you don't even get it. You don't even know why you're so successful. And the guy's like, enlighten me. He said, it's all in the name. McDonald's. He's like, as soon as I heard that name, I knew I had to have it. I knew I had to own it. Nobody's going to come and eat at Crocs fast food. Nobody's going to come and eat at Borrego's fast food. But, but McDonald's, he goes, that's America. That's wholesome. That's safety. That's family. He goes, it's all in the name. He's like, you're irreplaceable. The system can be changed. He's like, I had to have that name. He said, I knew from that first day I would not relent. That persistence would win me everything I ever needed. And that's exactly what it was. And that persistence is the key to surviving this game right now. You cannot stop. When things are the worst, when things are hurting you so bad and nothing in your life can go right, remember that the dogs of doom bark at the door of destiny. That just on the other side of that, the only reason the enemy has to mess with you that hard is because right there, you're so close. And is that the end? No. I wish I could say it is. I've been at that edge many times. I do believe that that is what God is talking about when he says it take you from glory to glory, from glory to glory. That, all right, for this time in my life, right now, in this season, what is that thing that I need to get a little better at? What is that thing right now that I need to see God more in, believe more in, trust more in, and I'm about to do that, that ticks the devil off. And all he can do is mess with your mind. So he's going to make you think that everything is wrong is either him or you. And so Just remember that not, not everything's the devil. One, don't give him that much credit. He's smart. He ain't that smart. But also know that he will not waste an opportunity. In the same way that God does not give everything, 
but he will waste nothing. The enemy wants to pervert that and say, you know what? I can do the same thing. I can use every instance in your life to make you think that you're going the wrong way. I can use making a wrong turn in, t- in downtown and you think, oh, this is just how my life is. Like, I mean, we get to that point, don't we? Where it doesn't matter what it, what it is. I forgot to charge my iPad. I just, I am worthless and dead just like this iPad. Like when things are getting, like you, you, can, you can slip down to that, that tunnel. You can follow that rabbit trail real quick. And then me is like, I ain't even got to do anything else. Like you're already, you're doing all the work for me. Go for it. Keep moving. Be persistent. Force yourself to be fake. I, I don't feel like, I, I'm, I shouldn't be worshiping right now. I've done nothing to deserve this. You're right. And he still gave it to you. I've done, I've done nothing. For me to be up here right now, after the month that I've had, I was like, forget it, just cancel South Tampa, like, or just put on some tracks, like, do something, like, there, there's no way that I should be, I should stand up here in my brokenness, in my hurt, in my pain, and speak anything to you. My circumstance doesn't change who he is. My circumstance, my challenges don't ever change how good God is. It just changes my view at the moment. And right now, I'm choosing to see him for who he really is, to see him for the great father that he really is, to see him for the great comforter that he really is, to know that no matter what, like, I can shame the devil right now by simply standing here. My wife is at the other campus holding stuff down over there. I'm over here helping out Abraham. Neither one of us want to be at church right now. But we're like, you know what? I know what I was called to do. And I know that no matter what, I can get up here and just simply tell you guys how much God loves you and how important you are. And that really is enough. But I probably should say something off of my notes. Relational vulnerability, here's what will stop being vulnerable, stop you from being vulnerable. Some of the main things. There, there's lots of them, but these are some main things that I picked out. Shame, shame is usually the first thing that will stop you from opening up to anybody. Because a lot of times the things that we, the things that we need to open up about, like I just did, are probably shortcomings. Things that in our mind that we did wrong, things that we haven't lived up to, like that's not easy to say to somebody else, usually because the first thing that we feel is shame. God, why did I do that? Why did I, why did I screw up again? And then if you have been vulnerable with somebody and you do the same thing, you screw up again in the same way, oh, man, now I got to tell them again that I'm still not fixed, that I'm still messed up. Shame will cause you to run. Shame is what caused Adam and Eve to cover themselves. Before shame set in, I mean, they were naked and not afraid. They were, they, <laughs> they were in the garden 
totally fine the way God created them. But when shame set in for disobeying God, they hid and then they covered themselves. Shame will cause you to hide. I, I, would, I would say kind of check yourself. When's the last time that you've opened up to somebody? Not, not vented uh, gossip. Because sometimes you think that that's vulnerability. You think, oh, I'm telling them the things that are going on when really you're just talking crap about somebody else. No, no, me. When's the last time you opened up about something that's hurting you or something that's affecting you to somebody you trust? Like this, like this isn't, don't go tell everybody your business. Find people that care for you. Find people that, that you trust. When's the last time you've done it? If it's been a while, I say one of two things. Either one, congratulations, you're living a pretty good life. Or there may be a little bit of shame that has crept in that is keeping you from opening up and being vulnerable to somebody. Shame leads into fear. What are they going to think about me if I expose myself? If I say it, then this really makes it true. If I open up, like maybe, maybe I've made this bigger in my own mind. Maybe I've, I've, maybe it's not as bad as I think. You know what usually is an easy way to find that out? Open up to somebody. Find somebody you trust and tell them what's going on with you. Be vulnerable, be open, be authentic, and say, is this a big deal? Because one, you might be beating yourself up for nothing. You might, the enemy might just be taking an opportunity of something that he didn't even create or cause to mess with your mind. Don't let fear stop you from relational vulnerability. We need relationship. You can be vulnerable with God and that's needed. It's really the first person that you should be open and vulnerable with. But he made us for community. We are here to encounter Jesus together. You could do this at your house. Any one of you can go online and watch any thousands of other preachers. But the reason we have these gatherings, the reason we have these campuses is to encounter together, to be a family, to be a community. Don't let fear keep you from opening up to somebody because of what they might think. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That confession, that putting away shame and fear and opening up to somebody has a great tool to walk towards a sound mind. And I'm going to tell you this, though. Because this is not black and white. This isn't you do this and then this happens. Like, there's a lot of gray here. You have to still persist even when somebody abuses your vulnerability. Because one of the easiest ways for the, for the enemy or for, to get you to stop opening up is to let one person abuse your vulnerability. And it's going to happen. Because... 
Sometimes we pick people that aren't ready to hear it. We have to remember that people are people. They may be going through things also. But just because it failed once, learn from it. Learn from the person that you picked. Maybe how quickly you were vulnerable. Maybe, maybe you need to, to go a little slower. Maybe you need to just give a piece to see, can I, tr- can I trust this person with this or will they use it against me? And anybody that will use, will abuse your vulnerability, all that does doesn't say anything about you. That just, that shows how much they're hurting. That really shows the place that they're in because we are all made in the image of God. We are all made in the image of the comforter. You were meant to give comfort to people. Not to be their comforter, not to be their God, but if we are one with Jesus, he's at the right hand of the Father, like we can bring comfort. We can hear God for these people. Everybody can. So all that means is that if somebody abused that, they just they don't really know who they are yet. And they're probably hurting more than they've let on. But don't give up. Be persistent. Keep going and say, no, I know that God has brought people into my life. And if not, then I'm going, if they're not here right now, then I'm going to keep looking for them. I'm going to keep looking for them. Keep looking for, the, for that person, for that group, for that community where you can say, this is the real me. This is the real me. And if they're willing to run with that, if they're willing to be a part of the real you, they'll stick around. They'll ask questions. They'll try to help. If not, you'll, you'll, you'll see it real quickly. And that's okay because there's a community for them somewhere. There's somebody that needs to help them, and you're not that person. And that's okay. But don't let shame and fear stop you from constantly pursuing being vulnerable. If we can't be vulnerable, if we can't be real, this is all for nothing. This is, this is just patty cake, church. Forget church, your life. If you can't be real with the people around you, what's the point? It might as well be done now. Show people who you really are. Give them a chance to see who you really are. Good, bad, and ugly. God loves all of it. I, I used to say this to, uh, to my youth, and, you know, because fear, you know, with people really knowing who you are or thinking that something negative about you is true, that's a lot of times why you'll be scared and fearful to tell somebody something intimate about yourself. And so I said, have you ever questioned that? And it's funny because it's actually on your drinking fountain over there. One of my youth put that sticker on there like a year ago, back when it was at, our, at the other campus. And it says, if you can't say it about Jesus, you can't say it about yourself. If whatever you are saying or you're about to tell somebody else and you're worried that what if this is true, simple check. Can you say that thing about Jesus? Can you say that the biggest fear that you have about yourself, the biggest insecurity that you have about you, 
And I've done this before. I've stood in the mirror, and I've pictured Jesus on the other side. I said, now say it about him. Tell him he's stupid. Tell him that he's not good enough. Tell him that he's a bad dad. And I can't do it because I know it's not true. And if it's not true about him, then it's not true about me. If you can't say it about Jesus, then you can't say it about yourself. You have stints where, but, but this is how I was acting. True. I've acted dumb at certain points in my life. I've acted like a bad dad at certain points in my life. That's not who I am. That's not how I was created. I was created in the image of God, and fear and shame, all those things will keep me from being able to see, no, this is who I really am. There's two types of vulnerability. Vulnerability that leads to healing, that leads to your healing, and vulnerability that leads to the healing of others. I'm hoping that right now, I am not expecting for my vulnerability to heal me right now. My vulnerability in this moment is to help you guys. I'm being open to hopefully bring some healing to you so that way you'll learn it's okay to be vulnerable. And then there is the vulnerability, like I said, when you find somebody that you know and that you trust and that you can talk to them and say, I need help right now. I need to be open with you. I need to, I need to talk and let you know what's really going on inside. This smile ain't real right now. There is a lot of pain behind this, and I need help. And then there's going to be times when somebody's going to come up to you asking those questions, and you're going to find time. You know what? One of the best things I can do right now is let you into what's going on in my life. Your vulnerability can help heal them. It's super important to know when to be which, when to be vulnerable for your healing and when to be vulnerable for somebody else's healing. Chris Valentin says, uh, authenticity leads to confession, which leads to wholeness. You can't be vulnerable with being, without being authentic. They're one in the same. Being open, you have, to, you have to be true. You have to be honest. That's the only way to do it, or else you're feeding somebody a fake scenario. You're giving them a movie at that point got to be authentic. You got to be real. Say, this is what's really going on with me. And then that comes that confession of, hey, I, I want to tell you this because it's going to bring me wholeness. And a lot of times just getting those things out into the atmosphere, getting them out of, the, out of your mind, the quietness and the stillness of your mind, and putting them into the atmosphere, a lot of times helps you to see like, ah, that was, that was dumb. Why was I even believing this? When I say it out loud, it actually makes, doesn't make sense anymore. Confessing it out loud and then confessing to people that you trust, being vulnerable and open to them, they're like, that's not you. Why would you even be mad or sad about this thing? You don't act like that. Well, I did one time. One, yes, one time. You, did, you, you, made, you made a mistake. You made a mistake, which is so unlike you, You've never really done this before. Now you've been open. We've let it out. Can we see how ridiculous this is? Now let's move to wholeness together. Confessing these things out loud. To me, it's, it is, it's, it's the picture of the cross. The birthplace of joy, 
creativity, belonging, love, like how much more vulnerable does it get than the cross? I mean, Jesus was... The perfect, spotless lamb. He knew no wrong. Beaten, like we say this all the time, man, passion of Christ does not do it justice. Beaten to look more like a worm than a man. Unrecognizable to the people that were with him day and night. He was beaten so badly that he was unrecognizable to them. He said, no, I'm doing this for you naked on a cross, and for everybody to see. That's vulnerability. That's putting everything out there, saying, you know what? I know this is going to help you. And that's what it feels like sometimes. Imagine doing it with a microphone in your hand. That's what it feels like a lot of the times. But to walk in the steps like Jesus did, not sacrificing myself. He was the ultimate sacrifice. But I'm saying I can be vulnerable like my Savior. I can show you the inside, the parts that hurt, because I know that this is going to help you. Jesus, that, that is the picture, the greatest picture of vulnerability for other people. Be like Jesus. Don't let anybody beat on you. If somebody says beat on you, you let me know. Let me and Stephen know. We'll take care of it. But put yourself out there. Put yourself out there in a way that is going to show people, like, no, I'm for you. I will, I will open myself up to the potential of even getting hurt. I don't know everybody in this room. I don't know everybody personally. For all I know, some of you could be, you might be putting on Facebook all my junk right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, you don't know. Jesus didn't know what we were going to do with the gift that he gave us. But he knew what he had to do. He knew that he had to give you and me the opportunity to use it the right way. Vulnerability is just an opportunity. Is an opportunity for somebody else to use it the right way. Is an opportunity for you to say, I'm going to put this out there, God, and I'm going to trust you with it. Relational vulnerability. We can't do this alone. We cannot do this alone. We were meant for community. We were meant for family. And we were created in the image of one of the most vulnerable beings to ever walk this earth thank you for listening to this podcast from the resting place south tampa campus we hope you feel honored empowered and full of faith because of what you hear and we would love to see you at a gathering soon for more resources like this head to trpfamily.org